Well, once in a blue moon, Larry Weber announces that he is disappearing to an undisclosed location for a week or so, and uh, that means we have to find a substitute for Larry. And all right, well, we'll just say it. There is no substitute for Larry. We understand that. But he did recommend, and we took him up on Judy Gibbs this morning, who, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more in detail later, is working with Larry and Sparky Stensis on the new Backyard Almanac. I am pretty excited about this. I am, too. And new and improved and updated, and it's got, what, more color? You were telling me yesterday it has more photographs, more color illustrations, more of everything. Hi, everybody. Um, Yes, the new um, book is going to be called 365 Days of Northern Nature, and there's going to be about 1,200 new color photographs by Sparky Stensis, who's just an amazing photographer, And with each photo, he has included uh, captions that include even more information about the critters and the plants that are in the book. Oh, it's going to be super cool. Now, you did the illustrations in the original book. Are you doing, are you adding color to black and white illustrations? Are you doing new illustrations? Are you writing new text? What's your part? Um, My part was, yes, I did the original illustrations, about 400 of them. Um, That takes a while. And the new illustrations that are in the book will be sandhill cranes and wild turkeys. Ooh, a couple of my Uh, favorites. Yeah. The other illustrations are being combined, like the big brown bat and the little brown bat will appear on one page. Uh, So you're not losing out on the original information. And I, I will say that back in 1994, when we first did the first edition of the book, There was no Google, there was no internet, and looking for photos and other things to draw from was really hard. Took hours sometimes to find like the perfect photo of a wingless winter crane fly. Like whoever even heard of it, right? Well, I'm just thinking, (laughs) I'm thinking about all of the beautiful photographs that I have taken of things that I really love, and a wingless crane fly is not on that list of well, things I'm going to go wander the woods in the winter then and we'll okay. find some. Okay. <laughs> um, my point being that when Sparky approached me and said, we're going to, let's do a new edition of this book, he just threw a whole bunch of photos he had taken of sandhill cranes and turkeys and sent them to me and I could choose from them and use them for reference guides. And it was just so easy. I didn't have to do any research. I just took a fabulous picture of a Apparently a hybrid wild turkey. Hybrid? Yes. It's part white, but not completely white. Oh, okay. And I didn't know if it was, I knew it wasn't albino, this I know, but Laura had done a program not too long ago about leucistic, and Mm -hmm. I didn't know, Mm -hmm. is it leucistic? or? And then I thought, maybe it's a hybrid, because there are white domestic turkeys. And her take on it was hybrid. Mm. But it was super cool. Yeah, so very cool. so the the technology part uh, can really make a lot of things a lot easier and more fun. Mm-hmm. Now, and there should also be, let's hope, an ebook, so that you could take this book out into the woods, in theory, with you on your phone, which is smaller than a book. And of course, books are special and need to be guarded and protected. And then you could take the you could take it out on your phone and you could use it as a kind of a what did I just see here kind right. of a thing. So that is sort of the background on this. Uh, the backyard almanac has been used for teaching phonology, you know, tracking the seasons through events in nature. 
as a, a, a skill for environmental educators. And this new text was asked for to give more information and to be available as a PDF download. So you'll have the opportunity to download it as a PDF or purchase uh, the new book. Cool. Which will be 400 and some pages long. Oh, I thought you were going to say $400, and I was just getting ready to save up. I'm not, I can't make any promises, of course. It's going to be priceless. Be, well, it is. I can't make any promises because I'm not in charge of such things. But we have always tried to offer Backyard Almanac as a thank you gift during our membership drives. And so I have all kinds of hope that the book will be completed and ready to go by the fall and that that will be something that we'll be able to offer listeners because folks really enjoy that. Now, when Larry calls on Friday, mm-hmm. Larry usually takes a deep breath and he tells us everything that he has seen and everything that we can see out in the woods. You and I, mm-hmm. with some friends, mm-hmm. in the spirit of being diligent about our <laughs> responsibilities, undertook a field trip yesterday. Yes, we did. A deliberate field trip to go out and see what was what mm-hmm. out in the world. Mm-hmm. First thing I want to ask you about, because I thought about it this morning, I think it is our instinct to want to, as humans, to want to help. I like to think that's our instinct. But if we help in an uneducated way, we can make things worse. We can do harm. Hmm. You pointed out a cool little plant, tree, treelet, that I would have said, oh, look, it's a little baby pine tree, not knowing any better, down by the uh, creek at Hartley called a yew. And mm, you said mm-hmm. the problem with the yew is that it's deer candy mm-hmm. <laughs> and that everybody likes it. Mm-hmm. I'm gathering it's supposed to, it can eventually get bigger if it isn't just nibbled down to nothing. So my thought was, well, what if you were out on a field trip and you put a little, like a little chicken wire cage Mm. around it? Or what if you put, you protected it in some way? Would that be a useful thing or would that be, well, uh, don't mess with it? A lot of times in in restoring areas, maybe it had been flooded out or whatever and trees are replanted. Yes, tree protection is usually provided um, to keep bunnies and deer from nibbling at the young seedlings. And the hope is you get them above the protection so they're out of the range of the deer and the bunnies. So they at least have a fighting chance. You try to, you try to give them, at, like I say, at, at even the playing field, just mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. But these, of course, are natural. I mean, these are occurring naturally. Nobody right. necessarily planted them. So yesterday we were in the ravine of Tisha Creek uh, near Hartley Road, and it's steep enough in there we also saw some young cedar and some young yellow birch. My guess is the ravine is steep enough that deer are not wandering down that way very often. The other place I've seen you um, in pretty good numbers is in Chester Park along those steep ravines. Again, I don't think deer are wandering in those areas as much. Uh, not when they can wander into your backyard, Lisa, and And eat the it. expensive mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well... They, you know, and they help themselves to the flowering crab a little bit. But, you know, that one's big enough. I mean, it, it, it's mm. mature. It's huge. Right. That There's enough there. I can mm-hmm. share that. I mm-hmm. can be reasonable. You know, I'm not completely unreasonable. It was just the <laughs> one thing I purchased and put two feet from the house thinking it'll be safe. Oh, no, no, no. 
apparently my reputation as an animal-friendly backyard has preceded <laughs> me. I have hung out the bathroom window on a couple of occasions and said sternly, you need to get out of my garden now. <laughs> and usually the deer will look and I say, I mean it, you need to go. And then I usually get some more staring, and then I say, don't make me let the dogs out. And, of course, that's, you know, a combined total of maybe five pounds of dog that's terrifying. But, yeah, it is uh, it is a challenge. In, it is definitely in a challenge. You saw something that you weren't used to seeing hmm. that you had not looked for yesterday, and that was the cool little, little new ostrich fern. Oh, right. We were... Um identifying a lot of the ferns that are in the area. And it was really fun for me to see the new um, fruiting body coming up. And it was very, very green. And I, it was, I have to admit, I had not been looking for that. I was searching for last year's old brown fronds to show you. And, and I was surprised by the new green that and so fun. that was super cool. It was very fun. And then you plan, and then you know, you had your phone out, and you were documenting a lot of things as we went because you belong to a bunch of different groups <laughs> that are working to get rid of invasives. And the invasive that you were hot on the trail of yesterday was valerian. Correct. Okay, valerian and that, vervain. No, are that, not that, the same thing. No, they're not. Vervain is a good thing. Yep, and it's, it's pretty, and it's a native. Yep. And valerian, even though it might have a medical use, because I swear I've heard it in my I'm gonna have, now I'm going to have to look it up. Um, but valerian is something that we don't like. What's the problem with valerian? Well, um, our local Duluth SISMA, and that stands for Cooperative Invasive Species Management Area, one of the plants that we are attempting to document its range is valerian. It seems to be invading Duluth and its surrounding more than any other area in the state. So it's catching the eye of some of our state agencies, and mostly we're just mapping where is it right now. So it, it's something that anyone can do. You can download an app called EdMaps, E-D-D Maps, and then you can also join in the citizen science um, mapping of this plant. You can look it up. Valerian officinalis, I believe is its name, and um, look it up, uh, learn about it, and then you can also document where you see it. Maybe it's in your backyard, maybe along a trail that you like to walk, and help us understand the, um, the range of this plant. It does look a little bit like um, cow parsnip. I mean, if you're, mm -hmm. if you're not, it's, it's tiny white or purpley flowers on the top. And so it can look like, if you're not a critical looker-adder of plants, it can kind of look like some other things. Kind of looks like right. Queen Anne's lace, right. you know. Because it has those very tall stems and the flowers on top, yes. Sleep disorders. Mm -hmm. They make medicine from the root of it. However, there is not enough anxiety or psychological stress <laughs> in our community to justify. It's actually causing psychological stress and anxiety now. And so, I mean, that's kind of counterintuitive. We need to get rid of the valerian. We were talking, um, J.R. Kelsey joined us on our, our expedition. He's a, a, f a phenomenal photographer and mm -hmm. a naturalist also. Um, but he was really enjoying learning a lot about plants, and he really was 
up on plants, especially as they relate to birds. Was it valerian he was talking about that gets spread so widely because birds like to eat it? I think he was talking about buckthorn. Oh, jeepers. Oh, buckthorn, the nemesis of our community. (laughs) Yeah, and we saw some of that yesterday, too. unfortunately. So it does, you know, on the one hand, you know, something that's good for birds to eat is a good thing for birds. And yet, because they eat it, then they distribute it Mm -hmm. as time goes on. Yeah, every once I'll look around my yard and I'll see a little three-inch buckthorn, and the only way it could have gotten there was a bird dropped, dropped it, pooped it out. Right, and there you are with your feeder, encouraging birds to come to your yard. The final thing we've got to talk about before I let you go, because it was the cutest thing ever, and we were all oh, looking right. in the direction the photographers among us, myself included, my little heart went crack because I wasn't set up to take a picture but I will have that picture in my mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. This little, I, I didn't know if it was a shrew or a vole. You got a better look at its little face. I might have guessed mm-hmm. shrew if I had seen its face because I was the kid that used to read mammal field guides when what? I was little. <laughs> I would just, you know, because it was just my deal. But we saw a little shrew. It was so fun. We it was just a tiny little, a tiny little fuzzy guy. And he just went right across the road in a trail in front of us. And was, uh, was, de- was delightful to see. Mm-hmm. And he was a something-nosed... Sh- we have two kinds of shrews, did you say, well, in, in our area? This one was a pygmy shrew. A pygmy shrew. And there's one that you said that's smaller? Um, an arctic shrew would be smaller. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm wow. And up- this guy was not very big. No, it was tiny, very tiny. Um, maybe it was two inches long from tip of... Maybe three. From tip of nose to tip of tail. I am so bad about tiny. this. Animals impress. Animals thrill me so when I see them, that I could I could pretty much swear that he was about twenty pounds, <laughs> you know. And he had and he was just really really because I I just get so excited. I don't pay attention. I can't. I don't record size accurately. I just record. Oh, this is so cool. That's generally my deal. How big is a pygmy shrew? Are you looking up pygmy shrews? I'm looking up pygmy shrew because it's in our backyard almanac book number oh. 28th. But there's going to be better there's going to be better pictures and stuff or not better but more pictures next time. It says uh, in here that pygmy is often proclaimed to be the smallest mammal in North America. Um, but the arctic might be about the same size or smaller. So um, you can the, a good time to see them is in the winter. That's why we put it in late November because you can often see their tracks or tunnels and then know where to look for them as you're out and about. But in the summer like that, it just came out of one really dense bunch of vegetation, ran across the trail and into the other side, and it, it was gone. <laughs> one of the I just I so I looked it up also. One of the things that we did talk about that Jr. was aware of is that they have such a high metabolism. Mm-hmm. And so they're hungry all the time, mm-hmm. and they're eating all the time. Mm-hmm. They have the fastest heartbeat, mm-hmm. I think, of any animal at about 1,200 per minute. Oh, my goodness. And the, one of the shortest lifespans because of that. However, they say that in northern latitudes, they're unusually vulnerable to accelerated global warming because with their metabolism, they can't survive exposure to temperatures higher than about 77. Oh, my. And yesterday, it was in the low 80s. It felt comfortable, 
in the shade as we walked along the trails, mm-hmm. but yesterday it was about 84, and, and it's, it's been to get warmer yet in the next few days. Very high up into the 80s. Mm-hmm. So, mm. well, now I'm completely depressed. I just want to put my <laughs> head down and cry. What can we be looking for in our, if we're not lucky enough to get a guided Judy Gibbs field trip, what (laughs) can we be looking for as we go into this next week? We don't have much of a chance of rain, unfortunately. It's kind of slight, but... Yeah, I was noticing on our walk yesterday, a lot of shrubs are already starting to turn yellow, and it's only July. It's kind of crazy, but yeah, the drought is really affecting our plants, and we were commenting also at the lack of insects that we were seeing. We saw some butterflies and, and pollinators, other pollinators, but we really didn't see much. Um, no, and JR is convinced uh, as, a, as a bird guy that mm-hmm. a lot of the birds and butterflies have already kind of, well, or birds in particular, have already kind of moved on because they're just not finding anything to eat. Um, that might be true. Um, I do know that my resident backyard birds have reproduced successfully. I was sitting on the deck with friends uh, a couple days ago, and first a immature, uh, newly fledged, I would say, because he had a bad hairdo. <laughs> oh, um, I love that look. <laughs> downy woodpecker came to the feeder, and, and it just, you could tell it was an immature. It didn't have its full black and white colors. And then a few minutes later, an immature redbreast and nuthatch came, also to the feeder, and then a few minutes later, a newly-fledged chickadee came, and it was also gray and black instead of the white and black. So at least our backyard birds um, have reproduced and successfully. Oh, I was I was cussed out. I'm getting ready to go on our little journey yesterday. I sat out front, and I was going through my camera stuff, and I was being cussed out. And then some mm. by the robins. Mm. The robins have discovered that since my garage door is broken and it does not shut, ah. that putting their nest in the tree, my beautiful maple tree, is an invitation to crows. And mm. the babies mm. don't survive. So for the last five, six years, maybe more, they nest in the garage <laughs> where the crows do not go. And so we're actually supposed to pretty much not use the garage at all or even walk by it. I can give you the name of somebody who can fix your garage door. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it seems like a, the, the, the roommate who's a mechanic would like to be able to use the garage at this time and I think would also like it to be tidier in the garage if you get my drift. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. um, but I say cover everything up with tarps and they can have a few weeks to raise a family and then you can have the garage <laughs> until winter comes and then I get the garage. <laughs> so there you have it. Um, it was go. The other thing that you uh, and Jr. talked about that was super fun yesterday. So find uh, somebody who's familiar with bird song to go out for a little walk or sit in your backyard with you for a little bit. You were talking about how young birds have to learn their songs mm, mm-hmm. and how when they're young they're not very good at it. <laughs> right. Um, he was commenting about a white-throated sparrow that was not quite. Uh, on target yet, and I noticed the same about the chickadees in our backyard. Um, you could tell the young ones, they didn't quite have it down yet. Okay, so uh, speech is, and and verbal communication, vocal communication is an acquired skill, and not everybody can do it the first time out, so mm-hmm. that's why we practice, mm-hmm. and why there are not very many radio stations staffed with young birds. <laughs> 
<laughs> did you see the eye roll? <laughs> I, I did. No, but I, I did hear it. <laughs> Judy, thanks a million for coming in this morning. What a treat it is to ha- get the opportunity to talk with some of our other local naturalists when uh, Larry occasionally uh, flees to different climes. It'll be fun <laughs> to find out what he was yeah. up to. And Judy, thanks a million for joining us this morning. What a treat yeah. as always. All right. Bye-bye. Judy Gibbs, our guest this morning, as uh, she's our special guest star right here this morning on Backyard Almanac.